Welcome to Life to the Full, a message to Christians. This is a podcast about the abundant life that God promises in Scripture. We want to inspire those who are frustrated with themselves and their communities to live a transformed life that will impact the world. Our primary purpose is to be a platform that will impact the world through conversation. We want to invite others to connect and unite in curiosity, vulnerability, and responsibility. A transformed life is about growth, learning, and evolving. A transformed life leads to transformed communities, and transformed communities impact the world. One conversation at a time. Welcome back to Life of the Full. This is your host, Patty Zito, and James D. Zito. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is the first time we're recording in the evening, so happy evening to you, honey. Happy evening. Wow, you sound so happy. You're actually more alive than me in the evening. I I feel pretty I feel pretty beat today. Yeah, long day. I'm yeah, I feel like I've been at it since like yesterday. Yesterday pretty much. We did not leave our offices till nine twenty five till Kayla called us. So Wait, uh, Kayla called us? What do you mean? I thought Kayla called you. Yeah. Kayla called me in and I was like, oh my God, I'm still in the office. Gotta go. Um, yeah, it's good to have accountability, guys. Um, people that can, people that can remind you of what you preach. And if we're preaching self-care and uh, making sure we're taking care of ourselves. <laughs> it was embarrassing, A. Um, the fact that I was still editing in uh, the video. Uh, finally, I got Final Cut Pro. I'm so excited. And the video is actually coming out in about an hour. Whoa. Um, not on a Friday. However, I'm happy that I decided to let go and leave the office, listen to my friend, and you know, reassess today. And so today was good. I had a good morning with mom, made her a priority, helping her with an errand, and then coming back to the office. So last week you had, we ended with a challenge. Is that correct? Yeah, a challenge, a project, something to meditate on. No homework. This isn't school. School drools. Don't be a fool. I like your style. So this was just an exercise to just kind of reflect on your own spiritual journey. And I think some people can think of a spiritual journey as, okay, when did I get saved? Mm. You know, or when did I find whatever church that I'm currently in? Or what's your conversion story? Mm. Or, you know, like when people say, I think in our tradition... Tell me your story. I think that's what they usually mean. Mm. They mean, like, tell me, you know, how you found this church and how your life was miserable mm. and now everything is great and you got saved from this terrible, disgusting world from this glorious, wonderful church. But to me, the spiritual journey is much, much bigger. Yeah. It really does start uh, from birth, mm-hmm. from the womb to the tomb, as they say. <laughs> As they say, kind of nowhere, right? I feel like we heard that someplace, but I... At the uh, Old Generations Conference. Yes, 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 yes. I was very happy at that conference. That's where I met Cheryl Parker. Wow. And we did our Colorado... We did three cities that... And, and after that, you went to Ireland. She has like a superhero or a writer's name. Cheryl Parker? Cheryl Parker. <laughs> Shout out to Cheryl if you're listening. Welcome. Shout out to Cheryl and her company, Come and Stay. Yeah. Go come and stay with Cheryl Parker. The ICUC Airbnb. <laughs> Just make it things make it simple. Make it simple. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, Cheryl's really all about hospitality. Absolutely. And Cheryl, you'd be so proud of me. I hosted. Uh, I basically turned my office into a guest room uh, last week, and what a joy is to host. You know, I was under the excuse, "Oh, our apartment's so small. Who can I host?" Well, Kayla Becker. <laughs> Ghostbusters. No, I mean Kayla Becker. All right, the Bexter. So, yes, the spiritual journey is much bigger. Yeah. Womb to the tomb. Uh, God is always moving the world forward. Yeah. 
Yeah. He is, you know, whether you've encountered the Bible, you don't have the Bible, whether you believe in Jesus or you don't believe in Jesus. Whether there's a pandemic or not. Whether there's a pandemic or not, God is moving in the world. Yeah. Uh, the Holy Spirit is certainly moving in the world. Yeah. Even if we can't always easily identify what's happening. Yeah. But when it comes to our lives and the big moments of our lives that stand out and kind of are the, the formative points in our life, we can kind of piece together maybe a little bit of our story hmm. and, uh, you know, see where we are. You know, you really can't know where you are unless you know where you've been. Yeah. And you can't know where you're going unless you know you know where you are. Yeah. And uh, that'll help us move our own lives forward and the lives of those around us. So do your timeline, reflect on your timeline, just think about it. Yeah, it's great that we, actually I think it was yesterday, right, that we had the conversation of about like all the tw- 20 time, 20 something. By now I believe I'm in 24 places I've lived in my life. Mm. And how every time I move, it allows me to look back and then look around me. And then they did the whole movement. We definitely need a video by the end of this January. How I look back, how I led my life and how I behave, and then look around me. And what are the opportunities that I have created for myself? Um, and I know a lot of Christians have a lot of problems saying that, you know, you don't create things for yourself, Patty. God does that. And we miss the whole God blesses decisions. God blesses um, the intention that you have yeah. put in. And um, anyway. And even think about it, you know, back Genesis, you know, 1, 2, and 3. Hmm. God put the man in the garden to work and intend it. God, you know, gave Adam a job. Yeah. To help create something, mm. you know, create and maintain the garden. Mm-hmm. To spread that garden, the ideas kind of floating in the air there, to the rest of the earth. God created the earth and he said it was good. But the earth is not necessarily always, you know, conducive to human habitation. Mm-hmm. We're the only species in the world that wears clothes, <laughs> you know. We're in many ways the weakest creatures on the planet. Um Totally doesn't seem like we're adapted for this place at all. We need all these special tools and things Houses just to survive. We need, cli- we need climate controlled. <laughs> you know, we need air conditioning. I guess we don't need it, you know. What well, you do. <laughs> well, you know, air conditioning and heat uh, do open up parts of the world that, you know, people just used to not really go to. You know, mm-hmm. you have cities that are flourishing now because of... The wonders of AC and heating and ventilation. So going on a journey, seeing your life as a journey, seeing yourself as the main character in that story, and for, not forgetting that other people are also the main characters in their story as well. Yeah. And everything kind of beautifully intersects, uh, just like the Bible. Hmm. You know, the Bible has one major overarching theme, yeah. um, but it has, you know, hundreds of little subplots that all seem to come together in, in one. You know, as Christians, we believe that it points to Jesus. But if we had been born anywhere else in the world, besides here in the United States, uh, we could have, you know, had a different set of beliefs. Yeah. We could have had a different set of mm-hmm. uh, philosophies and scriptures and stories. Yeah, I wasn't born in this country. Yeah. I, you forget that, right? But you were born in South America, which is basically Catholic. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay. like, like mm-hmm. India... Or like, you know, China. I think we, we talked about this a little bit last week as well. Got it. Or, you know, when... Um, oh, yeah, yeah, the whole Americas. Yeah. Okay. If and when they they find intelligent life out there somewhere, you know, they're going to have their own gigantic set of beliefs and philosophies. and. Right. You talked about, like, from, I guess, it was Russia to China, there's, like, this vast part of the world that is not... There's not a lot of people, right? Yeah. I don't think I talked about that last week. No, no, not when you spoke to me about it when we were looking at the map. Oh, yeah. I want to say it's like maybe like two weeks before the end of the year. It's something that I, I do. I don't do it in all my science programs, but uh, I did do it in um, one program I, I recently did. I guess maybe now it's over a year ago, marine biology. We were looking at the Earth, and it's always a good exercise because you have the satellite views of Google Earth, and we, you know, we feel like we're so big Mm. you know like we matter so much Mm. as human beings 
And then when you, you know, you could go to your address, you can do this right now too, if you want to see uh, how you fit and everything. And you can find your address, right? And you'll kind of zoom in from the earth and then you'll see your street. You'll see your house with a little like dot on it. I think it's a blue or red or whatever, a little glowing dot. Mm-hmm. That's you. And then you can zoom out and see how long it takes before you don't see any more cities. Hmm. You don't see any more roads. You just see the earth. And I think sometimes we forget how small we are, uh, you know, in this big, vast planet. And with our own stories, I think, you know, we can feel like we're the most important thing in the universe. And I think, you know, we are important. And uh, But there is a bigger story that we're a part of. And, you know, I think one of the things I realized growing up, because I used to watch a lot of, like, cool cartoons and shows. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually it's actually interesting because they're remaking it right now. Uh, the Karate Kid. Now it's Cobra Kai, <laughs> right? And I grew up as, a, you know, a martial artist in the 80s, 90s. Mm. Um, and so anyone who was a martial artist, like a real martial artist, oh. hated those movies. Mm. Because it made no sense that some punk kid... Who came in and disrupted life for everybody in that little town could have beaten like somebody who had practiced for years and years and years. You don't that just doesn't happen mm. after a few lessons, yeah. waxing cars, it's wax on, on right, wax right. off. So the remake is interesting because it's showing the point of view from uh, the villain from the first movie, uh, Robbie something. I can't remember it now. Uh, and, uh, you know. Our stories are always more complex, riching and rewarding than we realize. And I think that's true in our own stories as well. So I just encourage you guys to take some time and don't think of your spiritual journey as beginning uh, either when you got baptized or when you joined a church or when you got quote unquote saved. That's right? a good point. It's uh, with this uh, Cobra Kai remaking, allowing us to stand at the corner or at the top of the coin to look at both sides of the story mm-hmm. and it's the same practice that we we can I, I know for me I personally uh, would like to practice more that w- whenever I'm in a room with people these are like my story plus somebody else's story like we're interacting I'm not the main character <laughs> yeah. I'm laughing because I I can feel like I'm the main character and that's one of the things about the power of um, writing story or doing language work is because when we don't write things down, our stories are right here in our face. When we write it down, they all of a sudden come down here, a little bit further out. And when we do affirmations, when we read them aloud, we create a space between that story and we're able to go back to the example and look back and then look around you so you can move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a that's a that's a really neat analogy because it's the same analogy that we use in story work. Um, when we don't write things down, those stories, and especially uh, trauma and anything like that, um, they 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 are here and they become our world, and that's all we see. And it's hard yep. for us to do that. And um, and also, I'm gonna add, if you don't mind, the whole flying. Like you, that example that you did of zooming out. Mm. But when we fly, that's all I, that, well, I know. You and I fight for the for the window. and uh, Well, it doesn't make any sense for you to have a window seat because <laughs> you get all excited and then five minutes in, you're out. Yeah, well, takeoff is very important to me. Maybe we can switch for now. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Because I'm going back to that point when we take off, it's, it's um, allowing me to once again step out of my own world to look at the bigger picture and to see how small I am. And um, let's do that because all I care about window is takeoff and landing. Oh, Everything in between, I'm going to be drooling, mouth open, and snoring. You basically need an aisle seat. You just get up way too many times to go to a bathroom. Yeah, at least like three times. And then if it's not someone you know or you're related to, they start all nice mm-hmm. when you know because you're all super friendly, uh, and then by the end they're like, "Chick, 
You need to get up again? <laughs> trying to sleep here. I'm trying to watch a movie. Yeah. I, I'm not a fan of those planes with uh, three seats when it's just us. Because then we're like, I don't know, it feels uncomfortable. I feel like I'm bothering people. And then I don't want somebody between us, like you and window and me in the aisle, and then just a stranger in between us. <laughs> That'd be a little weird. Yeah. Although maybe I get some nice, you know, quiet time. Oh, wow. Because I'm either <laughs> talking or sleeping. Pretty much. Yeah, set that up. And on a plane, at least nowadays, I feel like you can't hear on a... At least I can't hear on a plane anymore. Yeah. Like, I can't have a conversation with anybody. All I hear is... <laughs> Should we tell them what we're about to do on Monday? What are we about to do on Monday? What? Well, this is going to come out Wednesday. So by the time this episode comes out... We're either dead or... <laughs> We have flown an airplane. Uh, you know, I want to make sure that this is uploaded uh, by by Monday morning. Yeah. Because it's true. We could be dead. Oh, my goodness. Um, so I want to thank you. I know I was complaining because, you know, it wasn't according to plan. Uh, however, this experience of uh, an introductory flight, it's, it's crazy to me of how simple it is to... Put your money where you where you see fit or where you see that is an investment. And, you know, I just finished talking to somebody who always wants to buy, buys me clothes. And, and she just looks at me like, what do you mean you don't want a new jacket? What do you mean you don't want new pants? What do you mean you don't want new shoes? I work from home and everything's on Zoom, so I'm not going to be wearing a jacket. Not going to be wearing any shoes. I may not wear any pants. You know, like, so, no need for all of that. So, where is that money going to go? This is a family show. This is a family show. <laughs> where is this money going to go? What's going to go into a bucket list? Babe, I can't believe this. Yeah, you've always wanted to fly. Well, you've wanted to fly for a while now, so. Because this is this was in the plan for, like, five years from now. But you know you're right. This is an introduction. An introduction. Maybe you hate it's, it. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe I get sick like Vicky. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Vicky and Chris. Shout Isn't out it to Becky? Vicky. Becky and Chris? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Becky, Who's Becky, Vicky? Chris. I don't know. <laughs> well, I know who Vicky is. Uh, she's a lovely woman who went to culinary school that did a video for for the kids. Ah. Yeah, that's where Vicky comes from. Cool. So, yeah. Anyway, um, we got off topic in here. So, yeah, we, but it, it's cool because, you know, we're talking about flying and going places. You know, I think for me, like road trips, uh, hikes... Journeys are always very exciting. Yeah, you know there is a a place you're trying to get to, uh, a lot of times. But for me, I've always enjoyed just you know traveling for traveling's sake, like the open road. You get you, intense. You know, uh, <laughs> I just I just love it. You know, the windows down and just singing songs and getting to see things you've never seen before. Yeah, or uh, you know walking through. You know, a place that you've never been and you're discovering new things. Mm, like the bookstore, the book barn? <clears throat> yeah, like the book barn that we went to for my birthday. That was really, really cool. <laughs> it's cute how I left you so you could go and explore. You know, yeah, I had, <clears throat> I mean, it was great um, exploring a bookshop. I haven't, felt like I haven't done that in a while. Mm, I felt like a human. A year. Felt like a human being getting to do that. Mm. But there is something about exploring. Yeah. You know, and there's a J.R.R. Tolkien quote. That I love. Um, and those it go- who wander are not. Yeah, it says, those who wander are not always lost. Right. You know. And uh, he definitely wandered a long, long time in his imaginary world of Middle mm-hmm. Earth. Uh, it took him so long to write those stories. Mm-hmm. You know, you almost wonder if he had a good writing coach. <laughs> if uh, we would have gotten more treasures uh from him because he really was the master at that uh, genre. Genre? Did I say that right? You're asking the immigrant? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I am. So, yeah. So, we're imagining, listener, or whoever mm-hmm. it is out there, friend, our friend, that you may be at a point in your life mm-hmm. where you're questioning a lot of things, you're wondering if, if you can even believe your Bible anymore. Uh, if you can believe your church, or maybe it's not that dramatic. Maybe it's just that, you know what, you're just like, you're not as into it as it used to be. You know, you kind of you kind of sit in the back, you don't really talk anymore to everybody. 
Well, the church relay would let us struggling, like something's wrong with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or you're a church leader and you're like, I don't know why I'm doing this anymore. I don't understand. Okay. Or you're a, you know, you're just not happy. You're feeling like something's missing, something's empty. Uh, I think especially some people when they go through a podcast like BEMA or The Bible Project or they come in contact with some really great theology books for the first time, they can get really like, whoa, everything I taught was a lie. It's like leaving the Matrix, kind of dating myself here, right? And it's like once you see the Matrix, you can never really go back to life the way it was before. And I think the temptation there can be just to walk away and throw the whole thing out. You know, if you haven't been doing it very long, I think it's easier. I think it's, you know, it's if you've been doing it for like a few months, it's like, I think some people wake up and they're like, wait, wait, no, God, God wouldn't want this for my life. God wouldn't want me to just follow a bunch of rules. God's into life. God's into love. God would would want there to be joy and happiness and love in, in the world, not me just checking off a bunch of boxes, you know? That's better examples. Because when you start talking about you just don't know about church, automatically people go into you're lazy, you're not really connected to God, you're not even a disciple. So it discredits yeah. uh, that. But you're talking about like just regular happy person that's been coming to church every Tuesday, every yeah. Friday, every Sunday, and it's going, wait, why am I so busy? Why mm-hmm. do I feel so guilty? Why do I not have time and energy? Like, why do I feel so exhausted? Yeah. Why am I overwhelmed? And for many Christians, you know, the Bible can be a struggle. The Bible can be a struggle to get into. Um, You know, probably the only time they hear the Bible could be on a Sunday service or at a Bible talk. People who love the Bible and, you know, have learned how to pick things out of the Bible and kind of construct their mental architecture from that. You know, even still, it can feel like, well, there's just something missing. There's just something more. There's something that I know is there, I just I can't tap into. You know? I want to challenge us all to start thinking of this as going on a journey. It's like, here you are. You're looking for something else. You've just landed in this place. We have no destination. We're not trying to get anywhere. We're just trying to explore. I want us to learn to see the Bible like that. Something that we get to explore. We're not looking to prove a theological argument. We're not looking to back up what we already know. We're not trying to help somebody by looking into this. We're not trying to help ourselves. We're looking to explore, to discover. Um, We're not saying this place is empty. You know, it's not like finding a new planet and then you're <laughs> going to go and explore this planet. There are there are things that live there. There are people that live there, characters, stories, rich histories. But you're going to get to explore all that. And like a world, you never really run out of things to discover. Mm-hmm. That's just the way the Bible works. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people say that. But I think sometimes what we, what we mean is like, oh, wow, like I never... Realize I could apply the Bible this way. Yeah. Or we could look at it like in a marriage. Like I find out things about you that I knew all the time. Especially when we're podcasting. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> you know. Uh, whenever we're going through a challenging time. It's like with a, either a new group of people or a new scenario. I get to see another side of you. So. You're welcome. <laughs> and I'm sure you get to see mine too. Yeah. You have like 12 personalities. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So we're going to learn how to go on a journey. Okay. We're going to try and take the Bible that way. Okay. And I want to imagine, uh, you know, I've been to some of the great national parks. Mm-hmm. And uh, they can be very, very overwhelming. We've been to Yosemite, you know, and uh, that was that was very overwhelming to go into there. But they have these great people and these great places that kind of help, help you figure out where you're going. Mm-hmm. Maybe they call them camps. Rangers? Ranger stations, or they call them, you know, information stations. But the biggest parks, there's somebody there who's a local, who is also trained as a naturalist, although sometimes they are volunteers, but they have deep, intimate knowledge of those parks and of those, uh, of those lands. And, you know, 
you can read a book or you can go to someone's blog to try and figure out how to plan your your trip. But your best bet is to head right to those ranger stations and find out what's going on. Yeah. You know, they can tell you things like, oh, don't go up that trail. Mm-hmm. There there was a, a bridge collapse. There was a flood. Right. Or, you oh. find that in the book. Yeah, you're not going to find that in a book. Oh, there's a herd of elk that just came through and we think there's some bears are stalking it. Oh, wow. So, you know, for me, it would be like, go check it out. For you, it would be like, stay away. <laughs> you know, um, and different things. So your first stop always should be someplace uh, where you can get a lot of guidance and you can get a lot of just advice mm. on, on where to go. And for me, I, I feel like that is what I feel like a church's function should be, to give advice, to guide people. And the funny thing about a guide and advice like whenever I've stopped into a ranger station, they don't follow up with me to make sure I, I've took the trail that they suggested. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not they're not enforcing me or they're not like strongly suggesting or making it a rule or making it a rule. It's still my journey mm-hmm. and I still have to, you know, do it my way. Mm-hmm. I did it my Oh wow. Sorry, I'm not Fiona. Delete, delete, delete. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not British, and I have perfect pitch. Thanks, Fiona. <sighs> anyway, you would be a fool not to seek out a guide. But the best guides don't make you do things. They don't tell you this is what you have to do. They they're just there literally as guides. Yeah. To make suggestions, to offer advice. Um, I remember when I was getting back into hiking and, uh, you know, exploring, uh, I knew nothing about what I was doing. I was trying to get to the Adirondacks. Manala? Me and my little girl, my little dog. (laughs) Yep. And uh, I ended up being like 100 miles in the wrong place Um, because I don't think, I think, I don't think the smartphone was out yet or it Mm. was sort of new. So I kind of had a, I knew I wanted to go to this place called the Adirondacks. Right, Adirondacks, wow. um, but you know the Adirondacks are huge. So I'm, you know, I'm a kid, from, I'm a Guido from Staten Island. <laughs> so I'm thinking, oh, like uh, High Rock Park. I just go out of the park and then I'll be able to climb a mountain. You know, not realizing that the Adirondacks are this huge area spread out over hundreds of miles, mm-hmm. and that the high peaks are all the way up towards near Canada. So I was in totally the wrong place, and they were all they were all worried when I stopped in this nature center. Because they were like, do you have a better jacket? I had like a leather jacket on. <laughs> you know, do you have better shoes on? I had like on leather shoes. Um, they were like, do you have any supplies? Are you going to spend any time out there? Do you have a bear box? Do you have um, snowshoes? So I was like, I mean, I feel like I'll be fine. I mean, I know what snow is like. I mean, you were a Boy Scout. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so I did have like some experience. But, you know, like when you get out into like more like nature, nature places mm-hmm. where... You know, in certain places in the Adirondacks, you make a wrong turn, you might end up in Canada before you encounter a road or, you know. So they equipped me. I think uh, I had to put down like $10 deposit. Um, oh, yeah. The pictures you know, show you with the... Uh, yeah, yeah. Skiing shoes? Yeah, snowshoes. 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 Because my goal was to get up to Mount Marcy, which is the highest peak mm. in New York State. And uh, you know, I didn't make it on that trip. Uh but they were telling me, yeah, it's all snowed over. If you're going to make the top, you're going to have to get, you're going to have to wear these shoes, you know. Um, and so guides are important, you know, especially when we think about the Bible as, to us, an unexplored landscape or an unexplored country that we're going to get to go to. So you need to find a good guide. And I think um, structurally, this is the role that churches are meant to play. You know, churches are meant to play those roles as guides. Um, I think scholarship can play that role. Um, you know, the duty of scholars is to engage the community, you know, and to, you know, teach what they've learned from long study, uh, sometimes taking years or lifetimes. Um, in many ways, we have the accumulated wisdom of, you know, multiple generations, because as, as scholars live and die, they write these things called books. And these books have a way of speaking into the future, right? While also speaking back into the past. And 
they can help us take us on this journey. So I think the first and best step you can do is to try and find a guide. So how do we do that? How do we find guides? When you think of finding a guide, you think of like finding like a spirit guide of like, I don't know, eating some mushrooms and... No, I see the same way as uh, finding a coach. Finding a coach. Or a teacher. How do you go about finding a coach or a teacher? Um, well, I either go online, find them, or I meet them in conferences. So, uh, let's see. My first teacher and guide into nutrition was Sean Stevenson. And I found him in a podcast. Somebody invited him that I was following for some paleo primal stuff. And he started talking about sleep smarter, and then that journey goes on. Mark England, I went to Paleo Effects, and I was at a conference at one of his workshops, and he ninja my brain yeah. with story work, and that's how I found him. Then I joined his program. So it takes it takes you um, taking a step forward, whether you're buying a book or you're taking someone's class. Yeah, that's how I found. Uh, guides, you know, um, or you go after them. You know, I've told somebody, "You're my Naomi for the rest of life till I die." What does that mean, being You're someone's welcome. Naomi? Yeah, the way I told her, "I'm gonna come back to you forever. I don't care if you move to Maryland. Guess oh, what? Really? Yeah, you're stuck with me." <laughs> what are we doing at Staten Island then? Let's go. <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah, I think, you know, you can find guides in multiple ways. You know, it's never, like, clear-cut. I don't think it's as easy as, um, you know, just being, like, waking up one day and saying, I want a guide. And then and the, poof! And the guide comes. <laughs> or going to up to a random person in your church and being like, be my guide. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes... Uh, or have somebody else tell you that's your guide. Yeah, it takes time. It takes research. It's something that just shouldn't be done like casually mm-hmm. um, you know I, th- I think in some ways consultants can be guides I know we we love to consult mm-hmm. and help uh, you know organizations and facilitators are churches guides. facilitators are guides mm-hmm. uh, the guide I'm going to talk to you about now is an author and a scholar um, I know absolutely nothing about him uh, I don't know like his family history I don't know him personally um, but he w- he's been very influential to me. I got to a point where, you know, I kind of always wanted to go to seminary. Uh, go ahead. No, we already said it in the last episode. And now I'm going to get to go to Clown College. So that's great. When do you, when's your first class? Next week? I think like Monday. Wait, Monday? I think so. Anyway, so I came to a point in my life where, you know, I had, I had kind of moved away from the scripture verse kind of theology. Uh, where you just pull things out to kind of pull, pr- prove a point or to help somebody or to apply it to yourself. And I started reading like large chunks of scripture. And uh, it changed my view of the Bible. It changed the way uh, I look at things. You know, gave me so many questions like, what it, what, it, what are we doing? Like I, I would kind of feel like compared to like, I don't know if this looks the same. Because, you know, we, you know, we like to think of ourselves as the first century church. You know, I was like, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. Uh, but anyway, I digress. Uh, so I started. Things had just come onto the scene, like iTunes uh, University, iTunes U, edX, Coursera. So of course, what did I do? Like a nerd, I went right to all the Bible classes that they had on it, or uh, the math and physics classes, because <laughs> I'm a super nerd. And one of the classes I took was a Yale class on um, Paul, the letters of Paul. Mm. Is and, this an edX? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, I think it was either edX or I think it was edX, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, it was great for me because at that point in my life, I had some real problems with Paul. And I was like, I remember. I was like, who is this punk? <laughs> you know, like I felt like I, I had a hard time reconciling what Paul was doing with what Jesus was doing. I felt like Paul was so quotable. And just so easily taken, you know, just take the quote without really seeing what Paul is doing here. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you have a rule that no one should follow anyway, or something like that. Uh, but yeah, this guy's name is Christer Stendhal. Christer Stendhal. And I think I'm probably saying his name right. Uh, but he wrote an essay called Why 
I love the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's a great essay. And he kind of goes through like his own spiritual journey. And I think it's it's a similar spiritual journey to many people that have come to a point where they can see the Bible as a journey. They can mm. see it as something they get to explore versus something that they get to study to either tell other people what to do or to tell themselves what to do. And so he talks about, and you know, I'll try and put a link to uh, this essay in the podcast, and you know, so you can get it in your podcast player of choice. Uh, but he, I'll paraphrase it, and it's similar to my own spiritual journey. Uh, he talks about how when he first encountered the Bible, he was amazed because he felt like it was all about him. He felt like the Bible was speaking directly to him. You know, he didn't realize that. In Ephesians, when we translate the word you, mm-hmm. right? Because Ephesians is a very you, mm-hmm. you, you gospel. A more appropriate uh, translation would have been like you all. Mm-hmm. Or like you y'all. and y'all. Like, you, uh, like Timmy your boy Texas. Timmy says, yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's just because he visited Texas. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and I think he, he keeps saying it too in a lot of things that he's been doing. I think mm-hmm. he's kind of like he's owning it. Uh, because it's true. It's like we don't really have an equivalent word in standardized English that is like a plural you. Mm-hmm. Like you can say, you know, all of you, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but anyway, so he read it and he was like, wow, this is all about me. He's like speaking directly to me. But then when he learned to study the Bible a little bit more, he realized, you know what? This isn't about me at all. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible wasn't written about us, you know. Uh, you know, I don't think the the original biblical authors could never have imagined a Staten Island Guido, <laughs> you know, in 2021, mm-hmm. sitting with a microphone, mm-hmm. you know, talking to people in the future, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm not talking directly to you. I'm talking to you at some point a, a long time from now, maybe like a few days from now, depending on when this podcast comes out. You know, the Bible was not written about me or for me. It was written to an ancient people in an ancient context in a world that no longer exists. Like when we talk about wanting to be the first century church, the first century has been gone a long time, people. And thank God, right? 21st century. We're in the 21st century. You know, you would not want to live in a society or a culture where if you made some bad credit decisions, you would end up being someone's servant. It was different back then too. You could you could buy your freedom. You know, it wasn't something that the American slave trade was much different mm-hmm. than uh, you know what happened mostly in Rome. Not saying it was easy, but it was possible to you know pay off your debts and free yourself, mm-hmm. free your family. Um, it was a very honor shame culture, mm-hmm. which is something that you know we don't even really know how to handle in America. Like you know like where we talk about self-esteem and everybody's special. And <laughs> you can do whatever you want, you know, as long as you work hard and go to school and all that stuff oh, that no. we tell kids. You know, it was more of like, you know, everything had to do with your honor. And if you were ashamed, you needed to restore your honor mm. through some some act of bravery or some act of distinction. Mm. And you mm. could really appeal to people's honor to get them to do things, you know. Try doing that in America. Like, you know, like it's just not going to work, you know, not saying that we're not honorable. It's just that, you know, we we see ourselves more as individuals, the rise of the individual. That's not that's not necessarily a biblical concept. The Bible isn't all about individuals. Right. It's about people groups. It's about families and all that stuff. Uh, Every text seems to be speaking directly to me on close examination are not talking about me. So the more you read this stuff, you know, it begins, if you read it carefully, and I know that that's an assumption that I don't think plays out often, at least in my experience, is that, you know, we need to learn how to not actually um, make light of the Bible, you know, where it seems to be giving us commands or it seems to be talking directly to us, Uh, but we actually need to be taking the Bible more seriously. Like, what is it actually trying to say? What is it actually saying? Who is it speaking to? And how, how does that matter? And how does that inform the way I'm looking at things? Like, um, 
you know, this this has been very um, helpful to a lot of my friends who have listened to the Bema podcast. Because, you know, I think Marty does make a, a good case, like for Paul's letters, that it's right there when you read it carefully, but most people miss it, that Paul is mostly always talking about Jews and Gentiles and bringing those two groups together. Sometimes when he uses like you and us, he's making those distinctions. And if you didn't know that, you would totally miss that. And you can get something out of Paul that maybe Paul didn't intend to put in in the first place. So I think the first step on this journey, on this road, is just remembering that you are in a country that you did not build. Mm. You are in a place that wasn't built for you. It's welcoming you into it. It's there for you, right? It's like a gift, you know? But it's it wasn't built for you. You were not in the forefront of God's mind or in the biblical author's mind when these things were being written. So the second piece of advice, that if we were standing in a ranger station, you know, big glass windows, <laughs> and the fog the fog was still melting off the mountains and the valleys, it was early in the morning, we were ready to get ready to go on our expedition, and we were meeting with, oh. you know, an old ranger who looked like he was carved from the very granite of the hills around us, <laughs> you know, old, tough, and sinewy, and he was going to tell us how to go have a great adventure. Okay. The next thing he might say is, be careful. Things aren't always as deep as we think they are. Mm, wow. Very yeah. true. Very true. I think there is a ability of humanity to overcomplicate mm-hmm. almost anything. Guilty, guilty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying the Bible's not deep, because mm-hmm. it is. But what I'm saying is sometimes I think we can get so zoomed in on the little, little thing. Like, you know, we're really studying that little insect, that little... One verse. That little, little tiny ant Mm -hmm. that we miss the leaf that the ant is crawling on. And we miss the branch that that leaf is attached to with thousands of other leaves. And we miss the branches that go to the great trunk. And we miss the trunk that goes into the roots and to the ground. And we miss the whole big forest that we're standing in yeah i think sometimes to really see the whole thing you have to pick your head up Mm -hmm. and you have to look around yep uh i love learning things (laughs) i do yeah i do learners yeah especially uh when i was younger and i think my brain worked better that was very dangerous because i just love to accumulate facts and things, and I wanted to know Your things. Your basement shows those. Uh, yeah, those are evidence of all the books that are down. I remember there. when people in the church were uh, first getting to know me. You know, they thought I was normal until <laughs> they came into my house, and um, one of um, the girls from the church wanted to make us all coffee. Yeah, you know, because of course I had a coffee maker, mm-hmm. uh, and she was looking for the mugs, and every cabinet she opened was filled with books, <laughs> and she's like, um, "Um, do you do you have any mugs?" <laughs> Is she still here? Um, no, I don't oh, think okay. so. Uh, you know, it sounds like what Jahira was saying. No, no, no. no. <laughs> and I was like, no. Um, I usually just buy my coffee on the way to school. You know. <laughs> I know, I know, a snob. Um, but you have to understand that the Bible, like you know, if you were studying like a physics book, even a physics book, really anything you study, you have to understand that if you're going to be a good student, you can't get stuck. On the little things. You can't major in the minors. Mm-hmm. Right? At the end of the day, if you're taking a course of study, you kind of have to just get through that course of study. Even if you find something that's very interesting to you, you can't stay there and just focus on that one little thing because you need to proceed through an entire course. Most courses are not designed to be exhaustive. That's for after you get out of college. Mm-hmm. And if you get an academic degree, then Go for it. You're going to get to discover all types of things, you know, that you didn't know before. Uh, But you have to understand the Bible is mostly narrative and poetry. Mm -hmm. What is narrative? That sounds like a super nerdy word. 
It's a plot. It just basically means it's a story. Mm-hmm. Like once upon a time. Right, in the beginning. In a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> right? It's Darth Vader. It's Luke Skywalker. It's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Mm-hmm. It's stories. It's E.T. It's comic books. It's These, these are stories. You know? And uh, I don't want to get hung up on the debate of whether or not this is historically true, all the Bible, or this actually happened. To me, it's like, you know, that's that's besides the point. These are carefully well-crafted stories that do all fit together, right? And poetry. Poetry is like roses are red, <laughs> violets are blue, sugar is sweet, and so are you. Wow. A rose by any other name. Would not be as sweet. We need video. <laughs> yeah. He gave me the smolder, guys. Yeah. Or, Shout out to Disney's, uh, what's her name? Or Tiger, Tiger, burning bright, deep within the veils of night. What immortal hand or eye did frame thy fearful symmetry? In what furnace did beat thy heart? <laughs> William Blake, anyone? Blake. <laughs> Right. I just sent that to a friend of mine, yeah. uh, that episode from the substitute teacher. Yeah. A. Ron. Poetry is designed to give you an emotional experience, mm. right? Poetry is not necessarily designed to, uh, you know, be like this exhaustive study mm. on, you know, plants and anim- animal, animals, animals. <laughs> Cellular biology, quantum physics, it's, it's, you're meant to feel it. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the way poetry is taught in schools is we think of iambic pentameter or we think of rhyming couplets mm. and we, or we think of, you know, these things that that's not what poetry is about. Those are the mechanics of poetry. Those are maybe some of the architecture that poetry is built around. And the biblical poetry has its own set of architecture and rules. But at its core, it's meant to elicit an emotional experience. You know, the same way a story can. You know, a story can elicit different emotions. Some of the best books that I've ever read uh, have been fiction books that I've literally, like, thrown across the room. (laughs) I've cried with. I've laughed with. And uh, poetry for me has always been something um, that I hated the poems that were in the books in school. That they would make you read, right? But man, the library, <laughs> where I get to choose my own poetry books. But po- I've always had a thing That's for poetry. in our own library right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like William Blake. That was like the first poet that ever connected with me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. But uh, there was a, we had a copy in uh, my school library of the Songs of Experience and the Songs of Innocence. Mm. And it was, you know... There's actually a YouTube album that has those same names, hmm. you know, wondering if Bono and them kind of see themselves cast in the new premier English poet, like that William Blake was one of the best English poets. I mean, that's debatable. They have a lot <laughs> of great poets um, on that little island of the Britons. Well, that's Fiona. Yeah. Yeah, Fiona. So poetry, so most of the Bible is designed to be engaged with giving you an emotional experience. And when you get through the Psalms and you have that idea that this book is supposed to teach me how to live, and then you get to some of the Psalms of David where he talks about, you know, people's children being killed and and eaten, right? And how killing entire cities and doing all these horrible things. I remember, uh, you know... We've talked about him before in this podcast, but our old friend John Bean, Mm -hmm. I remember him preaching from the Psalms once and he read like one of like the most murderous Psalms that probably nobody in our church had ever read. And he kind of like, he kind of just let it hang in the air for a second and he looked up with his grin. He's like, are we okay with this? You know, like, it's like, you know, it's shocking when you come from a certain point of view, Mm -hmm. but when you come to the Bible looking for an emotional experience looking to explore and meet new people. People are emotions. Mm -hmm. People come with them with their own set of tragedies, their own sets of joys, their own sets of love. And uh, poetry is like this condensed 
little magical thing that has all that mm-hmm. and you know also has uh you know deep meaning and stories have a deep meaning deeper than if i tried to tell you a scientific fact mm-hmm. because guess what what jimmy you never know what you don't know <laughs> and if we treat the bible as the beginning and end of all knowledge this is where all the fountain of wisdom, science, and learning comes from. You will eventually, like the church of the past, run up to somebody who shows you that your world is in fact not flat, but it's round. Mm. Um, you know, when we learn that the earth is not in fact the center of the universe, not even our sun is. So you don't know what you don't know. And you have to be willing to enter into the Bible knowing that, you're, that you don't know what you don't know. You're going to learn more. And if you start to hold on to too tightly what you think you know, you might end up on the wrong side of history. Have you ever heard of Galileo Galilei? Mm-hmm. He's one of my heroes. Mm-hmm. He was an amazing scientist. Um, he overturned... like over a thousand years of Aristotelian physics because Aristotle did the thought experiments right. and he never actually went out and tested anything. Mm-hmm. And he's like, um, watch. And then he tested some stuff and everybody was so mad at him. Uh, he was one of the first people to take um, a telescope mm-hmm. or a monocle, as I think as they called it back then. And instead of looking at ships or incoming armies, he turned it to the heavens. And he saw things, little dots, slowly going around Jupiter. He saw the moons of Jupiter. He saw the rings of Saturn. He saw phases of Venus. He realized that this world was much bigger than he was, but the church was convinced at that time that no. We can no! we can clearly see from the Bible that we are the center of everything. Mm-hmm. No, we're the center. We know what we know what that's those things are, you know. And they were wrong. And you know when the, the Catholic Church officially apologized to Galileo, they made him, um, they basically threatened to kill him, or he had to do a public apology. He had to appear before the Pope or someone else important, and he had to publicly recant everything that he said. He had to, he had to say, no, the earth uh, was the center of the universe, it's unmoving, and everything else moves around us. And he had to say that publicly and loudly, and supposedly, as he was rising up from his knees where he had to uh, apologize, publicly condemn everything he had learned, he went, and yet it moves. And they were like, what'd you say? He's like, nothing, nothing. I mean, I don't really know I wasn't there. You know, <laughs> but that's how I imagine it. Getting to the YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Guys are not going to believe. I'm Dustin McDuff, and I'm here with Galileo Galilei. Um... So how long do you think it took the church to apologize? Centuries. Nineteen seventy. Nineteen seventy. Nineteen. Actually, I think it was nineteen eighty. I think I was alive. Nineteen eighty-six. I was alive too. Eighty-seven. It was in our lifetime that a church publicly apologized to somebody hundreds of years ago for being wrong, and at this point, the Vatican had its own astronomers. The Vatican had its own scientists, um, but they had never recanted a public statement condemning Galileo so you got to make sure it might be weird that I'm talking about all the science stuff or you know for especially for podcasts like this but I think it's really important that we understand that we don't know everything we never will know anything we ever we never will know everything and that history is moving forward and the best that we can hope to do is to know what we can know now Explore what we can explore in the Bible now and pass that on to a future generation. Mm. Not pass on our facts. Right. Not pass on what we know we know. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. But pass on, you know, the, the story. discovery process. The process of discovery. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, even though it wasn't the best Star Wars movie ever, you know, when Yoda was sitting with Luke... 
And he said, we are what they must move beyond. Mm. Talking about uh, them as mentors and them as teachers. Actually, I got a little choked up when I thought about it. <laughs> does, that, does that make me a nerd? I think it might oh, make yeah. me a nerd. No, Star Wars is awesome. I reject that. N- nerds are cool, babe. I know, because I'm one and I'm cool. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I think, you know, because even what we've learned in the modern day and biblical scholarship, like a lot of things that we, we held on to over the years, we've kind of had to like let go, you know? And sometimes it was just a translation error. You know, like the King James Bible, translating all the Jewish and Aramaic words of like the grave and Sheol, right, into hell. Yeah. Makes you think, well, what do you mean there's no hell? It's all over the place. Yeah. You know, and that shaped uh, generations of minds, mm-hmm. generations of thinkers. Yeah. That if only they could and get books their... And books. Written. Yeah. And some of those thinkers were, were some of the best minds that this world has ever seen. Mm-hmm. Had they got ever gotten a, a chance... To get their hands on a, a Hebrew or the Dead, Scree- Dead Sea Scrolls, mm. imagine how much would have been different. Yeah. So I, you know, and N.T. Wright said this once too, and I'm going to paraphrase him, uh, probably horribly. So I apologize to all the N.T. Wright fans out there, but he talked about um, the reformers from the Reformation, like Martin Luther, Wycliffe, and all them, and he he kind of talked about how you know what, I don't think they ever set out to create something that was going to be set in stone. I think they were trying to begin a process of opening up their Bibles for the first time and seeing it like this, seeing it like this unexplored country country, and being like, well, what do we do with this? And you can even see, if you go to a traditional Lutheran church, in many ways, it looks like a Catholic church because they had just started, you know, trying to figure out, well, how does this change me how does this change my culture how does this change what i do mm. how does this change what i build and i produce into the world mm. right good questions to ask yeah very good mm. questions mm-hmm. and so i think you know you have to understand this that's what i mean when i say it's not always as deep as we think yeah. the bible isn't there to be a proof text the bible isn't there to show you okay a plus b equals c mm-hmm. right right it's deeper yeah. it's it's a story and the best stories move us in surprising ways. The uh, especially the oldest stories in the Bible, like you know the first five books, the Torah, like they haven't in- endured as long as they have endured in whatever form they were before the redactors of the Hebrew Bible brought them all together. The editors, they endured because they were great stories, stories that spoke at the heart of what it means to be a human being, mm. of the human condition. And they speak forward into time because they're timeless, right? We don't need to worry about Levitical uh, laws anymore, about mildew, Mm -hmm. you know? I used to like, we used to like to make fun of the campus students because we would read them stories about why they needed to do their laundry because it's in the Bible about, you know, being mildew and everything. And then we would laugh and laugh and laugh because we were all crazy, you know? Uh, but Gross. you know there are what are those stories trying to convey? There are deep things. Leviticus is a deeply fascinating book that has so much to offer. But because we're, we've been trained, we've trained ourselves to look at the Bible as this proof text mm-hmm. or this book of rules. We go in there and we're like, "What do I do with this?" Mm-hmm. And I think some people try and back it up. They're like, "Oh, well, for the day, this was actually sound medical advice that saved lives." Try and live your life by the five books of Moses, and you will fail. <laughs> the Jews tried it for thousands of years. They have thousands and thousands of pages on how to do it, because you can't live your life according to the Torah. You just can't. You need all this other stuff, all these other commentaries, to figure out how to do it. So, it's not always as deep as we think. So, I know I haven't uh, recommended a book in a while, but kind of according, in the same vein as we're, we're speaking about right now, I'm going to recommend A Year of Living Biblically by A.J. Jacobs. He's the same person who wrote Know It All, where he tried to read the entire encyclopedia. Oh, wow. uh, Because he wanted to know everything. He does projects like this. So he decided to, you know, live out the Bible 
all of it, old and new, for one whole year. So, you know, it it's more about following the rules, right? The rules always point you to something else. And the rules aren't the point of the story. So today, we looked at our guide's first two pieces of advice, mm-hmm. right? It's not about you. Yeah. And it's not always as deep as you think. Yeah. Remember, the Bible is... It was written to a world that is lost mm-hmm. to us in the deepest stretches of time. It was it was not written to a white Staten Island Italian, <laughs> right, on a podcast in 2021. Wow. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not always as deep as we think. Not all the secrets of the universe are contained in the pages of the Bible. Yeah. You're not going to find out geology. You're not going to find out zoology. You're not going to find out medicine. You're not going to find out... Uh, lots of things in the Bible. Yeah. You know, you're not going to find out how to plant. You're not going to find out how to build. But what you are going to find are deep, amazing stories that will speak very much into the heart of what it means to be a human. That if you read them enough, they will change your life. They will change your life in surprising and complicated ways. And you'll find poetry that will make you cry, that will make you laugh, that will make you, remind you what it really means to be human. Not what it means just to be a good Christian soldier. Right. Not what it means just to be a good boy or girl. But what to be fully, completely, truly alive, truly, in, truly human, truly created in the image of God. Life to the Full podcast. Adios muchachos. And muchachos. I think it's so bad. Adios muchachas. And muchachos.